children's question, children's question. According to uh, Brother Quentin's sermon last week, wasn't that a powerful sermon? Let's praise God for how he used Brother Quentin. Amen. Uh, he said, who are the five characters that Brother Quentin mentioned in the parable from last week's sermon, Who's My Neighbor? Who are the five characters? I'll give you one, the Samaritan, okay? But who are the five, including the Samaritan? So send your answer to the email address below, and hopefully there'll be a prize waiting for you if you answer correctly and if you answer on time. God bless you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 23, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are the prophet Elijah. Others say you are the prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But Jesus said to them, but who do you, you're the dudes who've been walking with me for a while now, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood that is no human being revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He's the one through the Holy Spirit who's revealed it to you. And I tell you the truth, you are no longer Simon, but you are Peter. And on this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whether and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, which is, of course, this week is that we're celebrating that suffering. And the chief elders and the teachers of the law and that he, that is Jesus, must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. In other words, he began to not consent to what Jesus was saying. He said, never, my Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter, the same Peter that he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The same Peter that he said, I'm going to give you the keys. He turns to Peter and said, get the behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You're trying to mess up the plan of God based on your emotions. You do not have the mind, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I want to speak to you on a subject, Reset Part 1, A Holy Week Catastrophe a Holy Week catastrophe. And as we are using this season, this 
particular week called Holy Week between um, today, which is Palm Sunday, and then there is Thursday, which is called Monday Thursday, and that's the day that we celebrate how Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and then, of course, Good Friday, um, where Jesus was crucified, and then, of course, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, where he rose from the grave. So this is called Holy Week, and we're going to use this today and next Sunday to be a season where we reset. So next week, we're going to talk about Reset Part 2, living your post-pandemic life, because by even the most conservative measures, we will be gathering to worship again before this year is over. We will be gathering. I mean, I'm talking about the most conservative. Now, the question is not will we gather. The question will be how will it look when we gather? Because church at the end of this year is not going to be the same as church at the end of 2019. This is a season where God is resetting not only the church, our church, but also our country. Now, uh, as I was thinking about this this, uh, theme about reset, I asked people, I mean, I'm talking about from Gen Z's at at the age of 12 and 13 to people as old as, you know, baby boomers. And I asked the question, when you hear the word reset, how, what does the word reset make you think about? And what does the word reset, how does it make you feel? What does it make you think about? And how does it make you feel? And I want to just press pause because I want to give you the same opportunity that I gave about, I'm, I must have sent this question to probably about 12 people, but I want to give you opportunity. Right in the chat right now, right in the chat right now, how does the word reset make you feel? How, what does the word reset make you think? Come on, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds right now. And just write in the chat you know, some of the words that come to your mind when you think of the word reset. Some of the words that come to your, your, your emotion when you hear the word reset. Because what struck me about this word uh, reset is Everybody who responded, and I, I mean, I took a real, uh, real large, even though it was only about 12 people, but it was basically a variety of people. I took white and black. I took young and old. I took male and female. I, I took, you know, a, a broad base of individuals, and they all seemed to respond with a certain type of word that really struck me when they said how they think about reset and how they feel about reset. Okay, you got your 30 seconds are up. And most of them had, to my surprise, a, a positive connotation when it came to reset. There was a, there was, it, it, it made them think about something positive. 
when it came to reset. It made them feel hopeful when it came to the word reset. So I looked up the word reset, and there's two definitions of the word reset. It's not going to be on your screen, but it means to move something back to its original place or its original position. To move something back to its original place or its original position. Now, that may sound negative, but that's actually not negative. We'll get to that later. The word reset not only means to move something back to its original place or position, but it also means to set or to adjust or to fix in a new or different way. Again, to set or to adjust or to fix in a new or a different way. And it struck me because throughout our, our midnight prayers and our morning prayers, and uh, even our brother Quentin mentioned it last week, that the, 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 the theme that we keep hearing over and over again, which is why the Lord is speaking about reset, is he says he cannot put new wine into old wineskins. Mm. He cannot put new wine into old wineskins. In other words, if God's going to do something new, he has to prepare the wineskin, the mindset, or most importantly, the heart to receive something new or else your heart will blow up. Now, so often when we hear Jesus says you can't put new wine into old wineskins, we, we don't even look at the connotation because the connotation, when he speaks about this, he says this in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. He, he mentions it a few places, but I, mm, Lord have mercy. I found Matthew, my God, I could run around this church. I found that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, when he says you can't put new wine into old wineskins, that you're going to have to change the wineskin. You're going to have to change the way you think and the way you feel what I discovered is that, Je oh my God, Jesus, and I never saw this before till this morning, Jesus was responding to something that he was doing new that was messing people up. What did he do? I never saw this before. I mean, I've been, I've been preaching since I was 17. I never saw this before because I said, well, what, what made Jesus say this at this time? Well, when you go to verse 9, Jesus chooses Matthew, whose name is Levi. He chooses a tax collector to be one of his apostles. Now, see, the thing that frustrates me about 21st century Christians is that we have no idea how much of a radical Jesus was because we read these stories and like, okay, what's the big deal? For Jesus to choose a tax collector was crazy because tax collect my god there, there is there is nothing there is no one in the 21st century who even compares to a tax collector culturally back in those days i don't know about anybody elder cameron who 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 who, who's not allowed to come to church. I don't know anybody who, when they give money to church, their money 
is considered so filthy it's not even accepted. Tax collectors were not allowed in the synagogue. They weren't allowed in the temple. Their, 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 their earnings were so despicable that as much as the temple and, 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 the, and the Pharisees, as much as they loved money, they wouldn't even accept their money. Now, you know it's bad when you're, when you're looked upon so dis, as being so despicable that people won't even accept your money. I don't know any church that says you can't come in, that you're so bad. And yet Jesus, while Matthew is collecting taxes in the very act of what was most despicable because the Jewish people looked at tax collectors as, 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 as traitors because you're collecting money for Rome. You're a traitor. And, and Jesus says to Matthew, Come follow me. And he follows. He, Matthew drops his stuff. He leaves his money. He leaves everything there. And he follows Jesus and the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. was like, you are so despicable. How, how, how can you even call yourself a rabbi and you're mixing with these sinners? And Jesus says, you can't put, I'm about to do something new. I'm about to take guys like Matthew and guys like Zacchaeus and I'm going to turn it around. And your mind is not going to be able to deal with what I'm about to do. And some of you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you now, look, 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 at, look me right in the eye. This church is being reset. I want to let you know, if you've been tracking with me, you need to understand the same Brian Green that was your pastor back in 2019, I am not the same person. Jesus, in, in our text, he resets Peter's purpose by changing his name from Simon. Simon, which means hearing you, you, your former life was that you were a fisherman. But now I'm going to repurpose you by changing your name. When in the scripture, when a name is changed, that's an indication that the destinies change. Jacob goes from surplanter, a person who is basically a schemer. And now his name is changed to Israel, which means I have fought with God and won. You have you know, so many Paul whose name was Saul, whose name means one who's asked God and one who was asked of God. And sadly, the religious leaders thought he was asked of God to kill Christians. But his name is changed to Paul, which means small, which means humble. Why? Because God gives grace to the humble. And certainly Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, 11, he says, I am who I am by the grace of God. If that's you, why don't you say amen right now? But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. So Jesus says, I'm going to change your name to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 and 19, upon this rock I build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail it, prevail against it, prevail against it. And then, Alanita, two verses later, he goes from getting a revelation from God to being used by the devil. Isn't, isn't that sometimes how our lives are? In one moment, we are hallelujah anyhow. In the, next, we're, in the next moment, we're acting like the devil. And, and Peter says, Jesus says, okay, I'm, I'm about to go to the cross to die so that, so that humanity can, can come to the Father and, and that no one will perish. And Peter says, no, 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 you're not going to die. And, of course, Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, the word Satan, the name Satan is a Hebrew word, and it means opponent. So you, you, you find the devil, Satan, is always going to be an opponent. He's always going to stop you from scoring. He's always on the defense. He's always on the defense. That's why Paul says, not Paul, Jesus said to, uh, to Peter, Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, this is how the devil used to psych us up. We used to think, oh, now watch out for the gates. The gates of hell are coming. The gates of hell are coming. The gates of hell are coming. I don't know about you, but every house that I lived in since the age of 10 had a gate. And I've never seen a gate chase me. All gates do is they swing open and they swing shut. Gates are built I wish I could slap my wife five, slap me five from right there. Gates are built to keep people out. Gates are built for defense. So Jesus says, oh, Peter, you're going to be, <laughs> you're, you're going to be my my offensive guru. You're the one who's going to be the one who's going to lead the crashing into the gates. To what, and why do we have to crash into the gates? Because, ah, oh my goodness. Because gates in the kingdom of darkness, their objective is to keep people prisoners. Woo, I can shout right now. Keep you confined in your dream, confined in your purpose, put you in a box. You can't do this because you're black. You can't do this because you're female. You can't do this. And, 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 and the point of the matter is, is that the gates are, 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 are geared to keep you bound. And the devil, he is the opponent to make sure that anybody who tries to come in, he tries to keep them out because he doesn't want you to be free. And that's why it is a season of the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But he's not only Satan means opponent, but he's called the devil. 
Now, I know sometimes we say, oh, the devil, the devil, devil, like, which, like it's just a word. Like it's just, you know, some people make up names, don't even know what the name means. The devil, the word devil actually has a meaning. The word devil means slanderer. It means liar. John 8 verse 44 says the devil is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. He is a liar. And so, well, what, what I mean, I, I call, there's three areas that the devil will lie to you about, slander you about. I call it the OMG, the OMG lies of the devil. <laughs> the OMG lies of the devil. What do you mean? He'll lie to you, oh, about other people. He lies to me, M, about myself. And thirdly, he'll lie to you about God. My goodness. He lies to you, first of all, about other people. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7 and 8, David was loyal to Saul. David risked his life to kill Goliath when Saul himself wouldn't even go out and fight. David was a, was a, was a faithful servant to Saul, and yet after he killed Goliath and after he brought back respect to Israel, the Bible says that people were cheering David, the ladies were cheering David, and they said, Paul, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And all of a sudden, uh, 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 the devil started to lie to Saul about David. And he said, well, well if, the, if, the, if the people are saying that I only killed a thousand, but David killed ten thousand, that must mean pretty soon that David is going to want my kingdom. He's trying to hurt me. How often does the, mm, how often have you and I allowed the devil to lie to us about other people? Some of you right now, oh, this boy is preaching up in here. The devil has lied to you about your spouse. And you, uh, and you have eaten the lie, hook and sinker. The devil's lied to you about your children. They'll never get it together. That's a lie from the devil. He's lied to you about others. He's lied to you about others. He's lied to you about your boss. He's lied to you about your neighbor. He's lied to you about, about, about the clerk, about the cashier. They never smile to me. They must be prejudiced. Lie, 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 lie. His goal is to lie and get you to respond to a non-truth. Oh, I wish I could preach this thing longer, but I need to go. He also lies to me about myself. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed. But then all of a sudden, when they sinned and they they got out of communion with God in chapter 3, verse 7 to 11. All of a sudden, they're trying to hide their nakedness. They're naked and now ashamed. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Who told you that just because you were black, blah, 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 blah? Who told you just because you were Asian, blah, 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 blah? Who told you you were white just because you blah, 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 blah? Who told you whatever? 
that you are blah, 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 blah. Who, who, who told you that? Who told you that if you were raised in such and such a place, blah, 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 that he will lie to you about yourself. I'll never make it. I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to struggle. People who come from a certain home, home uh, culture or home set like this, blah, 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 blah. People who come from blah, blah, blah. The point is that he will lie to you about yourself. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're not as good as anybody else. What lie has the devil told you, because he's a liar, that you are eating hook, lying, and sinker? That you're just taking the bait. And he'll lie to you about God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, the Bible says that God says, I'm going to bring you into a land that's a good land, a land full of milk and honey, Israel. And then Numbers chapter 13 and 14, 13 verses 27 to 33 and 14 verse 36. And 14, 36, God ain't playing. He's really upset. They go into the land, the 10 spies, the 12 spies, if you're not familiar with this, the story, they go to spy out what God says is a good land. And they sent, and they, and, and they spied out the land for 40 days. And they came back and said, God is right. It is a good land. It is, I mean, they even, they even brought back evidence of the goodness of God. Had the nerve to bring back the evidence, and then they said, but there's giants in the land, and they will kill us. In other words, God is good, but he's trying to kill us. That, that the very thing that God wants to bless us with, he wants to kill us with it. And the Bible says, which is in, very interesting, because the, the intrinsic nature of God is that God is good. First John chapter four, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, it doesn't say God loves. It says God is love. So why would somebody who loves you try to kill you? And God, God took offense. He was so upset. And, and, and read it for yourself. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 36, he called the people who brought an evil report Regarding the blessings of God, he said, you slandered my blessing. Slander, is a, that, that's, that's a tough word to use. I don't know how to use another uh, translation, but in the King James, slander. How often have you slandered the blessings of God? How often have you slandered your spouse? Your children? Your church? Your pastor, your pastor, your pastor. I mean, if again, if you're in a space that God puts you in, then you shouldn't be slandering your job. It's quiet in here. It's quiet out there in you two land. Now, let me keep going because I'm almost finished. So Peter, he has this destiny about you are going to be the man who God is going to use, Jesus is going to use to bring down the gates of hell. And all of a sudden, because there's Palm Sunday and, 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 and Jesus is riding through Jerusalem on a donkey. There goes that donkey again. And he's riding through Jerusalem and it's Hosanna and... And it looks like, man, this is going to be a great week because they want to make Jesus king. And all of a sudden, 
the week, the entire week goes bad for Peter. It's, it's a holy week catastrophe. It is a bad week. First of all, what happens is on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, it's called Jesus is washing his disciples' feet as an example in John chapter 13, verse 8, as an example of, look, um, as I am your master and I am washing your feet, certainly you should wash each other's feet. In other words, humble yourself to each other. Be a blessing to each other. And when Jesus gets to Peter, <laughs> Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit showed me this and I was cracking up. He, Peter says, no, 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 Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And I was saying, okay, what was that all about? And, and there was a little pride there with Peter. No, 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 you shouldn't wash my feet, Jesus. And it, and it looks humbling. Peter looks like a humble person. But the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, Brian, but I bet if Jesus said to Peter, uh, John, why don't you wash Peter's feet? Bartholomew, why don't you Peter would have been sticking his feet out like, yeah, dude, wash these feet. In fact, wash my sandals. Yeah, that's right, because he said, upon me, he's building the church. Isn't it amazing <laughs> how we can get full of ourselves? When Jesus gives us a little elevation. Mm. Mm. Brother Jeffrey you know, gives you an opportunity. I'm, I'm not, this isn't happening. I, at least I don't believe this has happened. I don't know this has happened, so I'm speaking prophetically if it did happen. But I'm just talking. You know, Brother Jeffrey allows you to lead one song, just one song, one song. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, the power of God falls down because and, and, and anointing flows. Uh, and, and, Brother Jeffy, when can I lead an entire service? Stay in your blessed lane. You say one testimony and it blows up the church. And now, when's the bishop going to ask me to preach? Peter's having a bad week. A few hours later, they go to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, well, I'll, I'll flip the order so I can go in chronological order. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he's Garden of Gethsemane, he says to his three homeboys, like, you got to remember, uh, there were the 12 disciples or apostles, and then out of the 12, there were the inner court, the, the inner, like, like Jesus' homeboys, Jesus, uh, no, his closest friend, Peter, James, and John. He says, okay, she says, you three, I need you to pray for me, pray with me, because, man, something is about to go down, and watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, Mark 14, 38. And, and they're sleeping. Three times they're sleeping. Jesus was depending on, I'm depending on you, Peter, to pray me through. And you're sleeping. The Lord told me something that I'm going to give you for free. 
He said to me, don't you ever complain about somebody that you're not praying for. If you haven't prayed for them, shut your mouth. Let me keep going. That one was for free. He couldn't even be counted on to pray, falling asleep. That, 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 that's a bad week. And then, finally, when they go to arrest Jesus, Peter takes out his sword, cuts the dude's ear off, and Jesus is like, yo, what you, what you doing? Jesus takes the guy's, no, in fact, he didn't take the guy's ear. We, we used to think that he took the guy, the Bible, I believe Jesus just made an ear grow. But whether he took the ear from, you know, depending on translation, whether he took the ear from the ground and put it on, or he had an ear grow, I'm quite sure the guy who got his ear cut off was quite happy. But the Lord said, oh, Lord, have mercy. The Lord says something to me. How often do we as Christians cut off sinners' ears trying to defend Jesus? You have on shorts. You can't come here on a Sunday morning. As Brother Quentin said last week, oh, you don't smell good. Uh, uh, why don't you just sit downstairs and, and, and you can watch on the screen. It's the same thing. No, it's not. What do you mean, Bishop? I mean, how often do we cut off people's ear defending Jesus so that they can no longer hear the gospel? Woo! Have you cut off your co-workers' ears so they don't want to hear anything about Jesus? And Jesus got to clean up our mess. Whew. And then, at Jesus' hour of need, Peter, you know the story. If you don't, I won't assume you know the story, but Jesus said at the Last Supper, no, all of you are going to, you're going to abandon me. You're going to leave me. You're going to run away. And Peter and his pride said, these dudes, these dudes may abandon you, but not me. I'm the rock. I'm solid. You changed my name, remember? I'm the dude. And, and Jesus said, Peter, it's around, I don't know, it's either 6 or 9 o'clock, but I'm going to tell you, Peter, before, before the alarm goes off in the morning, as a matter of fact, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm correct, uh, Elder Cameron, uh, it was the same day because the Jewish day, I believe, starts at sunset. So even though, so understand, even though it was like either three in the morning or six in the morning, basically Jesus said, today, today. I know you said, yeah, no, I will never, I'll never, I'll never ban you. I'll never deny you. Jesus said, no, 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 not tomorrow, today. You're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And baseball wasn't even created yet. Three times, you're going to strike out. And if you read the story, sadly, in Luke chapter 22, verse 34, and 60 to 62, he denies Jesus three times, and the third time, third time must have been a 
must have been a kicker because at the third time, it just so happened that Jesus, after being beaten and dragged into, you know, basically a kangaroo false, false court, court case, when Jesus says, and, and, and when Peter says, not only does Peter say, I don't know him, but he cusses and swears just to make sure that they know he's not following Jesus. Jesus just so happened to be walking by, looked at Peter, they locked eyes, and Peter was like, oh my God, I failed you. And he wept bitterly. And this is what I admire about Peter. He wept bitterly because he cared about Jesus. And some of you, yeah, you've had a Holy Week catastrophe. You probably had a Holy Year catastrophe in this season of the pandemic. And, and your heart is grieved at how things have seemed to change you. The good news is, is that Jesus, that is, a, that is a sign to Jesus that you care. You care about him. You care about your destiny and calling for him. You care about others. Don't allow the devil to, 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 to cause you to think that one mistake is fatal. Failure is not fatal. Failure is not fail, fatal. I want to close with this illustration about reset. I, 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 my phone was acting weird, funky, and I didn't know what to do, so I went to my, um, the company that I use for phone service, and I said, something's wrong with my phone. It's not working properly. And they said, oh, we can do a soft reset. And I said, okay. And I looked up what reset means when it comes to Cell phone, this is the definition. This is my last point. You do have to reset your phone. It says when the application or the system process becomes unresponsive. When the application or the system process becomes unresponsive. So God is using this pandemic this will be the second year that we're doing Easter service online. This whole year has been a reset because God's saying his application and system process of the church was unresponsive. We were unresponsive to justice. And so what God did, he allows this pandemic to come if you remember last year, this time, everything shut down. You can't go anywhere. And for eight minutes and 30-something seconds, we have to sit there and watch George Floyd die. God is like, you weren't bothered about Trevor Martin, you aren't bothered about Michael Brown, you weren't bothered about Breonna Taylor, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you 
be bothered. I, I never knew. For some reason, I was not even aware about how the, the, the number of racial injustices that have taken place on the Asian community. Never seen it, never was aware of how much injustice has taken place on the, and pardon me if I don't get the, the, uh, the, uh, the letters correctly, I'm trying, but the L, G, B, T, Q, A, I community. I didn't realize how much injustice took place on that community. That's why they said it, that community. And, and, and God is saying, I'm going to make you, because, because the church is not responsive to food insecurities, I, I'm, going, I'm, going to, I'm going to reset. I'm going to do a reset. That definition of this word reset means to stop behaving. Something is resetted when the device starts behaving erratically. What does it mean erratic? Erratic means deviate from the proper course of conduct or opinion. In other words, the church sadly has stopped preaching the gospel and started preaching self-help, motivational speeches, very little scripture, not the gospel. God said, I, I, I need to reset. So let me close with this. And so he showed me. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reset your phone. So I said, okay. So he said, press the up button, press the down button, the volume, and then just hold the power button. So I'm looking. I'm like, okay, this ain't doing anything. Just, you know, you told me to do this. And, now, and all of a sudden, the screen went blank. And I was like, uh-oh. Did I lose everything? And I realize right now that we're in a season where the screen has gone blank. What's church going to be like when we get back? When are we going to go into church? Uh, when is this going to be over? I'm going to make this over. And then you get you know, sick and realize you can't make an epidemic stop because you're sick of it. And right now the screen is dark because God is resetting the church. God is resetting our country. God is resetting the world. God is resetting everything. God is resetting you, and God is resetting me. The screen's dark. But all of a sudden, when I saw, oh, wait a minute, the icon's back. Something's happening. In the midst of the darkness, I'm seeing God. And that's why I love that song. On Christ the solid rock I stand. But here's, a vo here's the verse that most of you don't know unless you're raised in church. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil on Christ 
the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He's resetting the church back on. He's blowing on our relationships. He's blowing on our health. He's allowing, he is allowing life to just blow on everything that's not anchored in Jesus. And he's even blowing on the church saying, can you be the church without this building? Can you be the church without this building? And the answer is yes, because it's on Christ, the solid rock. Peter looks like a loser. And yet, with all this craziness and all this failure, in the midst of his failure, God is about to reset Peter's life. And I want to talk to you next week about get ready for your post-pandemic life. God has used this pandemic to get at some things because he is resetting you. He's resetting me. He's resetting the church. I want to encourage you, please invite your friends, invite your, your relatives and friends who are not believers, invite them to Easter service next week. Why? Because our Easter service is going to be like none other in the history of this church. <laughs> our Easter service next week, you have first heard it from me, it's going to be a new wineskin. Oh yes, it's going to be a new wineskin. So have your heart open because this is not your granddaddy's church. God is doing a new thing. And we're not building a church to reach believers. We're building a church. We already got you. <laughs> you ain't going anywhere. God has done too much for you. You ain't going anywhere. Tell me your name. You ain't going anywhere. But we need to get more unbelievers or more people who feel like nobody cares about them. Or as Brother Quentin said, we need to get more neighbors and let them experience the love of Jesus. So I encourage you, invite your friends, invite your co-workers, get the word out that something is about to happen on Easter that's going to be totally different than anything we've ever done. Because... God wants to give PT new wine, but he needs to change the old wineskin. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, because in the midst of Peter blowing, I mean, to make that many failures and mistakes in just one week. In fact, it wasn't even one week. It was more like three days. 
that would have been enough for him to be, for you to say to Peter, you know what, I, I, I said that I'm going to build my church upon this rock, but you know what, you blew it, forget it. Uh-uh, I, I changed my mind. But Lord, I thank you because Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not even the son of man that he should change his mind. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he speaks it, he's going to make it good. In other words, God, I thank you, I thank you, thank you that when you called us, you even made, you made allowance for the mistakes you knew we were going to already make. You, you called us pre-mess up. And in the midst of the mess up, why the devil is lying to us about ourselves, lying to us about God. God changed his mind. God ain't going to use you, not after you did that. The devil is a liar because you already knew before I was even born how I would mess up. And yet you still said, I'm choosing you to be a bishop. I'm choosing you to fill in the blank. But right now, the good news is that he's resetting you. He's resetting your purpose. He's resetting your function. He's resetting your concentration. Some of you, he, he, he's allowed you to be removed from a job. And as much as painful as it is, and as dark as it is, God said, oh, no, you'll have no, you have no idea. Someday, like Joseph, you're going to look back and say, wow. You were with me all of the time. All the time. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is ask him to come into your heart. Believe that Jesus died for you, that you should have been on that cross for all of your sins, but Jesus took your sin, put it on himself, buried it, came up victorious, and now all you have to do is ask Jesus to come into your life and he will erase, cancel out your sin because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and 6, 1 and 2, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now right now you may be hearing condemnation, you may be hearing and remembering all the times you messed up and all the mistakes you have made, the good news is, John 3, 16, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. But I like verse 17, God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you, but he sent Jesus in the world to save you. And if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, Please email us. Let us know so that we can send you some information to help you or at least pray for you. After I conclude and give you a blessing, I'm going to bless you. Please join. If you, if you need prayer, if you need prayer, please go into the private Zoom room. Someone will be waiting for you to pray for your specific need. It's confidential. But as you, as you heard, if you're with us, throughout the service, people have been calling from all over the world for prayer, and we're hearing God answer this prayer. So please, give us the privilege and honor to pray for you so that you know that this Jesus that we serve is real. God bless you. Uh, could you put out your hands in this church? You say, what am I putting on my hands for? Because we want to bless you. We want to bless you. 
And, and so we don't end the service with a prayer. We end it with a blessing. A blessing is a gift. And why am I putting my hands face up? Because James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good gift comes from above. And so if I'm ready for a gift, I want to be ready to receive. And so put your hands out as I bless you. Based on Numbers chapter 6 verse 24 to 26, it says, and again, we're trying to, we want to, talk about resetting staying in the word of God numbers 26 verse number 6 verse 24 to 26 says may the Lord bless you and protect you may he look after you shield you defend you and take care of you may the Lord make his face to shine grin and beam and show his pleasure on you may the Lord be gracious kind-hearted pleasant and compassionate to you may the Lord show you his favor that will promote you appreciate you support you side with you as you side with him and finally may the Lord give you his shalom his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and the success that he has for you. And may the Lord this week remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name and reputation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. And I'll see you next week at either 830 or 1130.